In this episode of the OCR Underground Show, I'm going to talk all about my upcoming virtual OCR. I'm going to give you my best training tips for dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. We're going to talk research on pull-ups and how to improve your pull-up capacity. And finally, I get on with Coach John Oblodgett, and he's going to talk about some of his best training strategies that led to him winning back-to-back age group world championships. Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, well, welcome to episode number 70 of the OCR Underground Show. As always, thank you for joining me. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, visit ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 70. Well, as uh, I am recording this, and most likely as you guys are listening to this, you are likely stuck at home uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic and doing our part to stay healthy and safe. Well, uh... With this in mind, I decided a couple weeks ago I wanted to do a virtual OCR. I know lots of races out there have done their own challenges, and there's lots of fitness challenges going around, and they all are great. A nice way to motivate and and get you to train for something. But I thought what most of them were missing was they weren't live. They didn't have kind of head-to-head competition, and that was something I really wanted to see. So I wanted to just kind of give this a test run and see how it goes. So... Uh, To get started in this episode, I just want to let you know a little bit how this is going to work. So the event details, it is going to be uh, this coming Saturday, April 11th. I'm going to be doing two different races. There's going to be one going off at 9 a.m., and that's uh, Pacific Standard Time, and then the next race going off at 9.45 a.m. Now, the difference is you do need a little bit of equipment. I I could have made this a body weight totally thing. but I wanted to have more of kind of that obstacle-like element to it. So um, I thought the only way to really do this was to have a few requirements. So if you want to do the 9 a.m. race, uh, you need to have access to a treadmill that will incline. You need a heavy object. For women, I'm looking from 30 to 40 pounds. For men, we're looking from 50 to 60 pounds. Uh, Really, honestly, as close as you can get to those things. Uh, And you're going to need a pull-up bar or something to hang from. Uh, I posted some videos on how you can get creative if you don't have a pull-up bar, and I'll put those in the show notes. But those are going to be the requirements for the 9 a.m. race. Uh, For the 9.45 race, it's basically the same thing, but you don't need a treadmill. You're still going to need a heavy object, and you're going to need something to hang from. So this is how it's going to work. For the treadmill race at 9 a.m., you're going to have 30 minutes to basically run as far as you can on that treadmill. So the winner is going to be whoever can clock the most distance covered in the 30 minutes. Now, of course, it's not just the 30-minute run on the treadmill. There's going to be obstacles and different challenges along the way. Um, if you head on over to ocrunderground.com virtual, and again, I'll put that in the show notes, you can see all the different exercises that you potentially will be required to do throughout the race. So how it will go is um, it's going to be on a Zoom call. Once you register at that same website, you uh, will get the link to the Zoom uh, invitation and you will uh, be live with me and I'm going to be hosting the event 
And essentially, when I say go, you are going to get on that treadmill and crank it up and run whatever speed you can. And we'll, at certain minute intervals, you're going to have to uh, slow the treadmill down, hop off, and perform an obstacle with one of the, the tools that you, you have or potentially just your body weight. Uh, and then you once you complete successfully complete the obstacle, you can hop back onto your treadmill and start running. If you can't complete the obstacle, there'll be either a time penalty or uh, some other penalty to delay your time to get back onto the treadmill and then you get back to running. And we just keep going back and forth and at 30 minutes, we see who has made it the furthest. Uh, for the 945 race, it is going to be very similar. You are just going to be running outside instead of on a treadmill. So I know that was one of the complaints I was getting that not everybody had treadmill access and they wanted to participate. So I decided to add a second heat. So uh, for this one, the main thing before the race starts, I need you to map out a eighth of a mile uh, loop. So basically I need a quarter of a mile out and back. So you're going to run an eighth of a mile out from your garage, your house, or wherever you're doing this yard and uh, eighth of a mile back. So it's going to be a, a total of a quarter mile run. And then when you get back, you'll just, again, it'll be on a live zoom call. When you get back, I will instruct you what you have to do before you can go run again. And uh, you will, um, the winner will be whoever can complete the most laps. Uh, and I do want you to track it somehow using Strava or um, some type of GPS so we can just make sure you're not just stepping outside and coming back in. But I don't think anybody would do that. Um, so that's how it's going to work. Uh, I will have some prizes. Uh, I do want the, the, some sponsors of the, the podcast are also helping me out with this show. So I want to give them a shout out as well. Uh, so Venga CBD, who, uh, if you've listened, you know, uh, I'm a big believer in their CBD products. It's specifically with the endurance athlete in mind. Uh, they're water, water soluble. So much more absorbable, uh, by the body than most CBD oils. Uh, they have awesome, uh, recovery balm when you have uh, soreness and, uh, joint issues. And then they have their gels as well as their gummies for in competition. So check out all of their products at Venga CBD dot com slash OCR underground and don't forget to use the code OCR underground and you will uh, receive 15% off your order and I also want to let you know about Fitbar uh, I did post that video I was talking about uh, I showed using some of the Fitbar products uh, they make some really cool things for like grip grip and Ninja Warrior and Spartan Race training and I showed how you can use some of their handles which you can get uh, very affordable and uh, just hanging them from your ceiling essentially and you can make your own rigs and uh, pull-up bars and things to hang on and, and work your grip while you're, you're stuck at home. So check out all they have to offer, especially if we're gonna be uh, at home for the next couple of weeks and you wanna keep up on your training. Uh, it's fitbarstrong.com and again, the same code is OCR underground and you'll receive 10% off your order. Um, so I hope you can make it. Um, again, it's OCRunderground.com slash virtual. You'll see uh, more about the, the event and um, you can actually register there. I, and I didn't even mention the best part. It is totally free. I, this is just something I wanted to do for fun and, and kind of get that competitive nature going. So uh, a free event and hopefully you guys can make it. Um, but again, um, just visit OCRunderground.com slash virtual and you can learn all about it. All right, well, um, I, I absolutely wanted to talk about the virtual OCR, but I have plenty of more in store uh, for this episode. 
uh, what we're going to get into in the Inside Mike's Mind segment. I, I want to talk about kind of the situation we're in right now and kind of give you some of my best tips and strategies for really keeping your training on point and really some things that you should be considering to help you out while we are stuck at home for however long it might be. Uh, in my research review, I'm going to talk about some pull-ups. And I know this is one thing that everybody's trying to get better at. And I found some really cool research on how you can improve your pull-up strength. And then in my uh, interview, I have a, a repeat guest. I'm going to have Jono Blodgett on. And he uh, just had, he's been crushing it. And I, we're not racing right now, but I have a feeling when we get back to it, he is going to be killing it again. He's just doing some awesome things. And I wanted to get his, uh, get some more of his insight on what he's been doing and some of his training strategies uh, that helped him win back-to-back age group world championships at Tahoe for the Spartan race. So uh, plenty to come from Coach Jono. Uh, but let's get into this episode. Okay, so we're stuck at home. Your training is probably not going the way that you wanted it to go this month. And um, we just don't really know when the end in sight and when we are all going to be getting back to normal, unfortunately. And I think we're all kind of feeling it. We're all a little, a little extra stress, stressed, a uh, little more anxiety. And I at least wanted to, to talk about a few things that I know that some things I'm personally doing, um, things that I've worked with clients. And I just, one of the big things I see people dealing with right now is kind of just that loss of motivation where it's, you know, what, what's the point almost right now that who knows what's going on? We're frustrated, you know, all this stuff. And to to get back to your workouts, it's, you know, most likely you're not killing it. Um, if you are, that's awesome. And keep doing it. But I know a lot of people are just really struggling to, to get good workouts in. So um, the first thing I think is important to bring up is this is maybe just a time to revise your goals a little bit. It's, it's okay to not crush every workout. It always is okay to not crush every workout. Um, now we always want some of those workouts to really be awesome and, and, uh, feel like we made some huge, huge progress. But if you're going in every workout with that mindset right now that I have to kill it, I have to get stronger and, and all these different things, I, it, it might be too too much right now. So this will kind of depend on your situation and all the stuff that you're going through. Uh, you know, me personally with our studio, it's, you know, just like all gyms, we're closed. And it's, it's uh, obviously incredibly frustrating. And we're doing a lot of online stuff for our clients. But still, I want to go back to work and I want to keep seeing people face to face and help them. And, um, you know, I have all that weighing on me. And at the same time, I still want to be active and I want to be healthy and fit and, and get my workouts in. So I'm ready for whenever races start up again. But I know that I just may not be getting the same quality of workouts that I was say two months ago. So I'm, I'm changing my goals a little bit. Now I had all my workouts planned and programmed and, and ready to go. And now I can't do all of them. It could be, you know, I don't have all that equipment that I had at the studio. Um, I have a decent amount in my home gym, but it's not all the stuff that I would like to use. So I can't do all the stuff I wanted to do. So I, I have to, you know, start over. And I just know with everything I'm doing now, my timing has changed and the days I work out has changed and all these different things. So I just have to step back and say, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on right now, um, which is kind of going to lead to my next big tip. And that's uh, to simplify and simplify your workouts. And I, there's all these stuff, uh, all these exercises and things that I like to include in my program. 
But right now, I, I want to get. I'm just going to get back to the basics. I'm just going to focus on the lifts I can do at home um, that I know I'll get a lot out of, and I can manage with the weights that I have here, and still get a lot out of it. So I look at each workout as okay. What are some big movements that I can get in right now? And I might only do like three or four big lifts. Um, and, and that might be the whole workout. And that's okay. I just go in knowing, all right, my goal is to, I want to get some deadlifts in and I want to get some type of pressing in, maybe some overhead pressing or, or um, horizontal pressing, whatever it might be. And that's really my main goal. Now I might, you know, I'm still going to warm up and I'm, I'm still going to do some other things, but that's really all I'm trying to accomplish in that workout. And if I get that great, and if I can get a little bit more, that's awesome too. But I know I'm almost kind of setting the bar kind of low and hopefully exceeding it. And that just makes me feel good because I can leave the workout saying, hey, I got what I wanted to do. Plus I did a couple other things that I didn't think I was gonna get to. Um, so that's kind of been my mindset as to revise my goal and then, uh, and then just simplify. Now, some other things that I think would be really helpful to work on right now is work on a skill or work on something in particular, work on a weakness. This does not have to be something intense. Uh, it could be, it could be, hey, I, I wanna work on pull-ups. So it could be, hey, I have a pull-up bar every day. I'm gonna do uh, you know, 60 seconds of hanging. You know, Every time I walk by the bar, I'm just gonna hang from it. Or I'm gonna do one pull-up or something along those lines. So I'm not gonna be going crazy and try to do pull-ups every day, but I'm just gonna do one thing, low intensity, and just get really comfortable in a position or, or doing something. It, it, you know, and you can take this outside of, uh, of exercise. You know, I'm trying to learn how to play the piano a little bit more. So I, I just try and turn it on, play a couple keys and turn it off. And even if it's 30 seconds a minute, it's something I feel good about it and I'm going to keep building on it. So, uh, just again, simplify, work on a skill picture. What's that one thing that if you've, you always said, if I had the time, I would really like to work on that because we probably have some time right now and we can devote it devote to that so maybe you're tight you know and you you don't stretch a whole lot hey what's one stretch you can do every day or maybe it's a new stretch you know every day and just kind of explore and search on youtube and and find new things to work on so um that's that's my next big, big tip is to you know pick a skill really hone in on it especially if it's your weak weakness um that that might be a great way to just come out of this whole situation a little bit stronger and then uh, the last thing that I want to talk about is just just move, and that's the big thing. You know, I, sometimes we, we we freak out because we we don't get the workout we wanted to. We miss a strength workout, and we feel like we're just going to shrivel up or whatever it might be. And um, of course, that's most of that is in your head. It's it's if you sat for all week and did nothing, you know, that's a different story. But if you miss a workout here and there, it's it's okay. You're going to move on. And usually that's, it's not as big of a deal because you're active the rest of the day. You're up and about moving around. Um, but now if we're kind of stuck at home and you're sitting all day, you can't rely on that workout anymore. If you just think that, Hey, I'm going to work out for like an hour, you know, a couple days a week, but then I'm going to sit the rest of the time. That's really not going to help the way that it used to, because you're just not getting the same stimulus to, to the body and the muscles. So my, my real big tip that I want to leave you with is you got to move and you just kind of have to be active. So think of any way you can just get around and move more. If you use a fitness tracker or an Apple watch or whatever, and you track your steps, look at a, a month ago or two months ago, what your average steps were, look at what they are now. And I'm guessing that they're pretty dramatically different. 
your goal is to try and get back to some of those numbers. May, may not be in one shot, but just find ways to walk up and down your stairs, to walk around the house, uh, talk on the phone and just pace back and forth, walk after every meal, you know, just get outside and move around, whatever you can do. All of these are gonna be really helpful to just keep you moving, keep that blood flowing, keep your stress levels down, your anxiety levels down. All of it's good, all of it counts. So I hope some of those things help you. I know they're really helping me and, and the clients that I work with. Um, but just you know, revise your program, revise your goals if necessary, simplify things, work on skills, and, and just move. And I think if we can do all those things, we're, we're going to come out of this whole situation a lot better off. All right, well, let's talk about pull-ups. Uh, so in this week's research review, um, obviously I've been reading a lot. I've had the time and going through different articles and studies, and I found a really cool study, I believe it was in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning, uh, a study out of Portugal that looked at just a, a topic I haven't really heard much about. And it was, the title is Effects of Velocity Loss During Pull-Up Training on Strength and Endurance Performance. So I know it's a mouthful, but this idea of velocity loss um, was new to me. So I wanted to explore it and see exactly what they did in this study. And they were looking at basically you have a certain velocity that you perform a repetition. And as you get more fatigued, you slow down, right? It makes sense. So picture you doing pull-ups. Uh, the speed of the first few reps is going to be way different than the speed of the last few reps. And they were looking at, well, is there kind of a magic number with how much you allow your velocity to slow um, before you should stop a set? So it's almost that idea of like, should you be training to failure or should you leave a few reps in the tank? A uh, really similar topic there, which I, it's in, it, that in itself is an interesting topic to me. So uh, what they did in the study was a small group. They had 29 individuals that they broke up into two groups. Um, they tested everybody's max repetition pull-ups. They also were looking at the velocity of their pull-ups as well. Uh, the two groups were, one, they, reduced uh, they stopped after reducing velocity by 25%, and the other reduced, uh, stopped after reducing velocity by 50%. Um, so I know that's kind of a, uh, a hard thing to determine because you're probably not measuring your speed, so what does that even mean? They compared the 25% loss in velocity to um, achieving about 50% of your max repetitions. And the 50% velocity loss was about 85% of your maximum capacity. So just to give you an idea, so let's say you can do 10 pull-ups. The 25% would only do sets of a roughly five, um, while the... Um, the 50% group was doing more like eight reps out of it. So you can see just pushing that, that fatigue a little bit further. Um, so on average, the 25% uh, group were getting roughly seven reps per set. Um, and the 50% group was getting roughly 11 reps per group. Um, they trained for 16 weeks. They'd be doing two to four sets. They kind of progressed along uh, the training cycle. When all said and done, um, the 25% group achieved a total volume of 364 reps on average, and the 50% group did 566 reps on average. So um, we can see that the 50% the group got a lot more reps in, so it only makes sense that they 
uh, saw the biggest improvements. Um, but that wasn't the case. So in the the uh, the results were with the 25% loss in velocity. So the group that was kind of leaving more reps in the tank, doing about 50% of their max, uh, they started on average at 156 as their maximum pull-up reps. After 16 weeks of training, they had a significant increase to 17.9. So a little bit over two, almost two and a half reps on average increase. The the 50% velocity group started at 16.1, so a little bit higher was their average, and they resulted in uh, an increase in 17.1, so an increase of one rep, which in this case, according to their statistics, they didn't actually find that that was a significant improvement there. They also looked at the velocity. So uh, to start, the 25% group started at 0.52 meters per second um, velocity and increased 2.63, which they found was significant increase. So they were getting faster at repetitions as well. And the 50% group started at 0.57 meters per second and ended with 0.58. So pretty much stayed the same there. So Really interesting, um, when we break all those numbers down, what does it mean? The group that trained less didn't train to fatigue over 16 weeks, got faster and stronger at pull-ups. And um, that's really interesting. Most people think it's the opposite because we always have that mindset, you know, more is better and I'm, I need to crush it and I need to kill it and and get as many reps as possible. And, and while sometimes it's, it's good to go that route, this just kind of shows that training to fatigue isn't always... The, the way to go, depending on what your goal is. Um, and one thing that they brought up in kind of the discussion of this study was looking at, well, what happens when you train to fatigue? There's more damage, there's more metabolic buildup, um, you're, you're maybe getting bigger muscles, but is it interfering with strength and speed? And that that is kind of a, a debate that you might need to have is what is the main goal? Am I trying to get bigger? Am I trying to get stronger? Am I trying to get faster? Because those the, are different goals and your training should reflect those different things. So uh, I think the practical aspect of this, this whole thing is, you know, with all exercises, um, we might see a similar thing, especially I think the higher skill required exercises are really going to be important here where you really have to, to focus on, on that max strength effort. Don't always train to failure. Sometimes focus on perfect reps, leave some reps in the tank, rest. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, they did rest about three minutes in between sets, um, regardless of which group they were in. Um, so they had nice full recovery and then they went again. So kind of going back to what I was talking before, like working on a skill, you know, sometimes just more exposure to something is better than kind of more fatigue or more intensity. So depending on what, what your ultimate goal is, I, I just, this is uh, an important thing to walk away with is just know, do I want to just push it as hard as I possibly can with every exercise I do? Am I trying to lift the most amount of weight possible? You know, maybe that's something I need to, to consider and, and do. Um, or if I'm trying to just get better at a specific movement or skill, maybe I want to back off a little bit and just really nail in quality reps, but leave a few in the tank there. So uh, hopefully that all made sense. Um, but if you're trying to get better at pull-ups, you know, keep that in mind that, you know, more is not always better and always quality over, over quantity. All right, guys, well, it's time for our coaches interview. And I have a, a repeat guest. Actually, he's been on a couple times. I have on SGX coach, John Blodgett with Malcolm Mackay Fitness. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good to be back. All right. I don't. I don't think we need to go into a long intro. We we've done that a few times for you. Um, but I, I think we need to address the elephant in the room and kind of the, the coronavirus and just get different. I, I want to get other trainers and coaches uh, takes on just what what you're doing, either personally or what you're telling with your clients to kind of hang in there and get through this and, and kind of keep the workouts going, whatever it might be. So I'd love to hear just how, how you're doing with this and any advice you have there. Uh, I guess I'll start off with myself. Yeah, I mean, um, we've kind of lost a lot of the, the business out here. I mean, the good thing about being on an island in Hawaii is they've restricted a lot of the travel and flights and people coming in. So that's kept our, um, I guess, virus level down to a, a pretty good minimum, but we are still restricted as far as where we can go and, and what we can do. Um, we are still allowed to go outside. So that's one of the main things that I've been trying to maintain is just every day, just getting out in the sun, whether it be going for a hike or trail run, even just doing a workout in my backyard. I mean, that's been huge just to maintain your, your sanity. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I've been telling all my clients as well. Um, you know, whether if you're just doing uh, workout like go outside get some sunshine get out of if you're stuck in your house with your kids and just staring at the computer or the tv all day it's just gonna do have all kinds of other detrimental effects on your your men, mental state of mind and eventual physical so just get outside get in the sun and get some movement in as much as possible yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously Hawaii, you have some nice weather most of the time, so you can get out there, but really we all can, you know, get out and even if it's raining, it's okay to get a little wet and, and get out there. And I actually, one of the last times we, we chatted on the podcast, that was one of the things we we're kind of talking about where sometimes things aren't perfect and it's kind of to train, keep training that mental toughness where like, yeah, if it's raining or cold or whatever, get out there and um, you know, if, if you can do that safely, I know different areas of the world right now are have different restrictions and, you know, of course, follow whatever uh, guidelines you need to be following, but even just getting outside and doing a little movement is always a, is a great thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing a, a six week challenge right now. And so one of the things we've been focusing on is that mental toughness, which I know right now, especially right now is when everyone's kind of stress level is up a little higher. Their anxiety is a little more put to the limits. And so, um, yeah, just getting in the workouts and getting outside, whether it be during the rain or not, will eventually still help that. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, we, we talk about obstacles, right? That's the whole point of what we're doing and, and training for it. And it's always that physical aspect, but, um, you know, obviously there's that metaphor of, you know, this is helping us get stronger to overcome any obstacle. And, you know, we're all being challenged right now. This is a huge obstacle. Definitely. And it's like, we have, we have choices still. It's not, I think sometimes when we like watch the news or read articles and you get sucked in and you get depressed and all these different things, but you realize you always have a choice. Like no one will ever take your choices away. They might limit certain things, but you have the choice to be depressed, you know, sit down, not move and deal deal with this whole situation that way. Or you can just say, all right, you know, this is the cards we were dealt and I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to do what I can. If it's jumping jacks in my living room, that's what I can do. If it's getting outside, maybe going for a run, whatever it might be. So we always have that opportunity. We just have to 
you know, see what this pressure and the stress is going to um, do to us. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've, I've been trying to highlight is um, we call it savoring. And, you know, a lot of times if people are fearful and they, they savor in that moment of being fearful, then that's only going to exacerbate things even more. But if you savor the moment of being out in the sunshine or just still being able to have the ability to go for a walk or, you know, spend time with your family at home. I mean, savor those moments and that will bring out more uh, feeling of happiness. And, you know, so that's one thing to definitely to promote. Yeah, absolutely. Just being grateful that we, we still have lots of things and exactly we can yeah. we can control that um all right well i you know i, I don't want to spend too much time <laughs> talking about that and um i'd love to talk about uh training which is why why we're here and you have you know last time i i believe the last time i had you on we were kind of celebrating your first uh world championship age group victory and um you since then so i guess it's been like a year since we've talked yeah yeah. So that's, that's the shame, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but we, it's, it's a little overdue now, but we can celebrate that again for you. So back to back, uh, world Spartan world championship age group victories, yeah, which thank you. is pretty, yeah, not pretty. It's incredibly impressive to, to pull that off back to back. And I remember last time we were talking, it was kind of that, you know, you had, you had kind of a target on your back, right? If you went at once, now it's a little bit more pressure. You, you were the, the top dog and, um, and you know, you have that extra pressure and obviously you handled that totally fine and came out on top again. So, um, I want to talk about some stuff that you, again, kind of some things that you're doing that you think really contributed to this, uh, you know, not this short-term success, but really long-term success with, um, with your racing career. So, um, what do you think had some of the biggest impact on, on being able to do what you did? Um, I think from the last time we spoke, I, I was really focusing on the, the training aspect and, um, you know, getting in a lot of hill work, getting in the grip strength training, which is still very important. Um, I think this time what I really tended to focus on was a lot of the recovery aspect as well. And, um, just the, the breathing on how to, recover between obstacles so that transition from the run back to the obstacle and then the obstacles back into the run again right so that's where a lot of people uh falter i think just it takes a lot of time getting in and out of the of that obstacle area so that was one thing and and so i became an xpt coach and so for those of you guys that aren't familiar uh xpt is was started up by laird hamilton and and gabby reese uh who gabby's a ex-pro volleyball beach volleyball player and laird is a big time big wave surfer just very knowledgeable and one of the main things that they focus on is this recovery and the breathing aspect and so mainly been focusing a lot on that and with that is a lot of the recovery would be ice baths and um, work incorporating sauna. And so that'll help with the body just to be able to get back to it much quicker. Awesome. Um, so let's, uh, there's a bunch of stuff I want to uh, dig into and pick yeah. a little bit more on that. Um, 
Well, you mentioned the ice baths and saunas. I know that's that is a popular thing. So let's let's kind of start there. Um, how often were you doing something like that? Is that like uh, a daily, weekly, depend on the training you were doing? What were some guidelines that you would follow to help with that? Uh, a lot of it was dependent on the training. If I had a, a really tough day or was just feeling a little bit more sore, then um, I would be sure to, to take an ice bath. Um, but then a lot, of, a lot of times too is just helping myself get to get a good night's sleep is you need to cool your, your core temperature down before you go to sleep. And so I would just take, it might just be a quick minute ice bath right before I go to bed, drop the body temperature, and that would help me get a lot better sleep. And then of course, you know, as far as recovery, sleep is the most important. So um, a lot of it was is dependent on how I was feeling, but then tried to kind of maintain a routine as well. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you mentioned saunas too. Were you doing like a little contrast therapy? Um, you know, is that something you were working in there or just kind of getting in the sauna and dealing with that? I don't have a sauna here at my house. Um, a friend of mine does, so maybe once a week I would do that that actual contrast therapy. Okay. Um, but other than that, I would just it's luckily enough it's warm enough here in Hawaii. <laughs> I know so. you just walk outside and you're yeah. in your sauna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would do you know a, a, an ice bath for three to five minutes, depending on the temperature, and then go out, sit in the sun, kind of get in some movement for another 10 to 15 minutes, warm the body back up and then do a second round in the ice bath. Nice. So, so yeah. um, just to help some listeners out logistically, is this literally running a bath, throwing water in there, jumping in? Is it simple as that? Are you doing anything special? That's what I was initially doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Just run the ice bath as cold as possible and then dump in anywhere, you know, hundred pounds of ice in with you. Uh, the only problem with the the tub is I was only able to basically get my legs for the mm -hmm. most part. Sure, sure. Um, so you want to be able to really cool the whole entire core. So now I've I've gotten a, a 15 foot cubic mm -hmm. uh, deep freezer where I can you know I'm six foot four and I can still fit my entire body in there. So and that's nice. You can just plug it in, let it go, get nice down to you know 38 40 degrees and mm -hmm. and then go and sit in there nice that's yeah. awesome yeah so it's a good <laughs> little it's a good little setup for pretty cheap all right cool i might uh maybe you can send me a, just like a link to uh like uh so people can check out in the show notes of yeah what, what it looks like and if it's something yeah, they want to want to check out and learn more about yeah. um okay so let's say i've never done an ice bath before what tips would you kind of give somebody because it's uh, that's terrifying for some people, or it's just, you know, it's uncomfortable. So what, what do you do to deal with that? That's, I mean, the, the mental toughness side is a huge factor with this, the, uh, just being in water alone, makes some people uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. add in 40 degrees freezing, you know, very cold makes people extra uncomfortable. Um, and so it, it builds that mental toughness aspect. And one of the things I like about the the ice bath is once you get in there's you're not thinking about your kids you're not thinking about work <laughs> you're not thinking about anything else so it forces you into a state of meditation yeah yeah and you really have to focus on your breathing at that aspect and when you when you first get in that water as many of you know who have been to tahoe or big bear when you go into that dunk wall 
I mean, it, it takes your breath away. Right. So, and that's where a lot of the times it creates panic and fear because people aren't comfortable with that situation. So that's where it's learning to use the breath to calm yourself and, you know, understand that you are in a safe environment, you know, you will get through this, but it's, it's learning to deal with that, that discomfort. Awesome. Um, and then you said you're spending like a few minutes in there, just again, to give some people perspective, like how long you're actually staying, uh, in this cold temperature. Yeah. Um, if it's depends on the temperature of the, of the water, if it's a little, not as cold 55 or Mm -hmm. so 50 to 55, which a lot of people are like, Oh no, that's still cold. But, (laughs) um, then I'll usually do a little bit longer, maybe five to seven minutes. Um, but if it's really cold, 38, 40 degrees, I'll usually do only do a few rounds at maybe three minutes or so. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, let's move on. So you've already talked about breathing a little bit. So I, I like the, the idea that you brought up of, you know, working on those transitions because that totally is a, is a tough part. You, you know, whether it's getting into the obstacle and being too out of breath and that kind of messes you up for, you know, the rig or rope climb or whatever it might be, or you finish and it takes, it takes a while for you to get back into the groove. So I'd love to hear just some thoughts on, okay, so what can I do to actually work on improving some of those things? Yeah. People uh, think, I mean, when you're say you're, you're doing a, a big CrossFit workout or you're doing a high intensity workout, if you're doing, you know, 15 overhead snatches or something, some full body power, you're going to be out of breath and, once you finish, a lot of people think like, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to gas out on the floor now. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's the time when you really want to focus on your breath and not just, you know, let yourself go off into some other you know, world. But, you know, cause you're, as you're moving, your, your CO2 levels are really raising up, your oxygen's dropping. And so once you're done, that's when you need to focus. Okay. I need to drop my CO2 levels. So that's going to help my oxygen come back up. And then with that, then you'll be able to recover much quicker and get back straight into the next set, right? Where a lot of people they are just shallow breathing, shallow chest breathing. And so you're not getting that, that CO2 oxygen ratio balanced back out. And so it takes a lot longer for that recovery to take place. Okay. So, um, it's almost uh, like just hearing you talk, I'm thinking of it almost like, let's say I'm doing, um, like a superset of something, right. And I'm, I'm getting kind of gassed where I can almost look at it as I'm adding a third exercise. And that is like focused breathing before I get back into my snatches or squats or whatever it might be. And can almost plan out my workouts where, okay, it's hard exercise, hard exercise, breathing. Hard exercise and, yep. and, and just work through and that way I kind of have it planned into my workout there. Exactly. And, and you do have to plan that in as when you're, especially when you're first starting out, just kind of, okay, I need to focus on my breathing at this point. This is what I need to do. This is kind of at this stage, kind of what that breathing protocol might be. And then after a while, it, it does start to come natural where you can just, I mean, for me now I can just go through it. Mm-hmm. And my, I'll automatically start going into that breathing prac, that um, protocol. But you know, for a lot, for starting out, yeah, it's definitely something you really need to think about and focus on. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to talk to you uh, kind of along the same lines. So uh, you post some pretty cool stuff on on Facebook and social media. And if you don't follow Jono, I, I'm going to put his um, info in the show notes so you can check out some of the training that that he actually shows. And a lot of it does involve kind of the underwater stuff. And I'd love to hear just kind of the whole idea behind some of that type of training that you were doing. Yeah, so a lot of that, and this is one of the things that I really focused on to train for Tahoe as well, is learning how to build that CO2 tolerance. Um, you know, the, the CO2 levels in your body, that what kicks up your, your signal to want to breathe more. And so, but people have different tolerance levels of that. So by incorporating some underwater training, you're teaching the body okay, you know, I, my CO2 levels are a little higher, but I'm still fine. I can continue to perform at this, at this caliber and, and keep going. And so, and then it just gets you into that uncomfortable state as well. Again, being in the water, holding your breath and getting into a state of mind where, you know, like, okay, I, I need to keep moving, but pay attention to how my body is feeling during this time. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts too on um, like water versus not wa in water. Is, is the water adding an extra element? Is it um, just more effective to do that way? Or I don't know, just kind of your thoughts on doing some of those underwater workouts versus maybe being on dry land and breath holding. So the... You can do a lot of these, the same things on land and you'll get those same um, benefits as far as your, your CO2 tolerance. So I definitely, and that's one of the things, I don't have access to a pool right now with, with COVID shut down. Um, so that's one of the things I will incorporate into my, my land training. But the benefits of the water training is, going back to that whole recovery aspect, is the water, allows for that lower impact. So on days, you know, if I'm, I, I'm still a little sore from workout before, going into the water, you can still do a lot of big power movements, but not have that impact on the joints. So, you know, if we're doing just big weighted uh, jumping lunges underwater, you can really get that powerful explosion off the bottom of the pool but it's going to be a nice soft landing as you come back down so instead of imagine that doing that on land mm -hmm. carrying you know two 40 pound dumbbells your legs are going to get beat up yeah so yeah. so that's that's one of the benefits of the water is just you can still get in that explosive power training and not have the the joints just get destroyed yeah absolutely um, so with something like this, obviously there's, um, some precautions that need to be taken. Um, Definitely. Yep. and, um, but are there any, uh, that you would, um, like contraindications maybe that be, if you're going to do something like this, be careful, or maybe you shouldn't do, um, this type of work. Um, just your thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, there's, we, there, XPT has coaches all over the world now. So, and you can definitely just look up one of the coaches and, and find out where they might be. And if they're offering any pool sessions, just so there is that safety aspect about it. Um, otherwise I would say just, just start practicing on land. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the 
the easy things that I incorporate with a lot of my clients is, you know, even if you're, if you're just going for a walk, you know, walk for a minute or so, and then just do a breath hold while you're continuing to walk. And you may not have to do a, a maximal breath hold where to the point where you're going to pass out, but just start say, okay, I'm going to hold my breath for 10 steps and then continue to breathe again for another minute and then another 10 steps of, of breath hold. And then over time you might get 15 steps and then you might get 20 steps. And so you can just build up that CO2 tolerance in that aspect. And it's much safer that way. You're not dealing with the water and, and those potential hazards. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I, I, there's a lot of different breathing programs out there and I remember yep, reading, yep. reading the book, um, oxygen advantage. Yeah, and that's kind of when I first started like paying attention to a lot of these different things and, and this whole idea of kind of that carbon dioxide, um, tolerance. And that was the first thing I started to do. And actually I still like to incorporate in my warmups, especially like race day when I am kind of yeah. an anxious and nervous and really just doing, like you said, like walking and I'm just yeah. kind of walking around and holding my breath, counting my paces and then breathe and then see if I can match it. And, um, I, I think it's a great way to kind of one, to expose yourself to something like this, but I, I love it as uh, as a warm up protocol too, to kind of help just get ready for a race, race day. Oh no, it makes a, a huge difference. And that's, that's the cool thing about it is, there's different protocols for say a pre-workout. There's a kind of protocol for post-workout to, you know, doing a workout gets yourself into a stressed out state. So after that workout, you want to bring yourself back into a parasympathetic state. And so mm -hmm. there's some breathing practice for that. There's breathing for if you're about to go to bed and, you know, just want to calm yourself. Um, and for all this coronavirus, one of the biggest things I've been putting out is with the anxiety Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are extra, extra anxious. And so there's some different breathing practices as well that you can do to help, help calm yourself and, and put yourself into a, a better relaxed state. So Absolutely. yeah, it's just, it's cool just exploring around and seeing, seeing what works and what, how it benefits you and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, you bring up, you know, coronavirus. If one thing we've been trying to preach with our clients, it is a respiratory Exactly. Um, yeah. Disease. And yeah. those that have respiratory issues are the ones that are really struggling with this. Those mm -hmm. that don't, you know, they're, they're getting sick and it sucks and then you get better and, and you're okay. Yeah. Um, and you can do yourself such a, um, a, a service if you just take the time and uh, do any kind of breathe, you know, just quality breath work is train those muscles. And, um, uh, anyway, you know, it could go on for hours about that, but just uh, that it's such an extra benefit just to your overall health versus you know, not even with performance. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, your overall health, but then yeah, your sleep, your, your stress levels during the day. So it's yeah, cool. And Absolutely. yeah, I mean, a lot of people think like, ah, oh, I've been breathing my entire life. Like why, mm -hmm. why do I need to listen to what you're saying? I mean, yeah. a lot of it's because you never get learned. You never learn how to breathe properly when you're a baby you yeah. watch a baby and they're breathing correct but over time yeah. you just develop bad habits and people start to just shallow chest breathe and yeah. you know that's not creating that good oxygen transfer through the lungs so yeah yeah it's kind of like just tell somebody that says that okay hold your breath as long as you can and yeah. if it's like 20 seconds you're dying 
there's something wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to be working on this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd love to hear, uh, what would like a, uh, a sample workout you might go through? Like what, what would it entail if we're talking some of this, um, underwater, uh, breath holding training type drills? Okay. Uh, I mean, from kind of start to finish, we'll definitely start off with the, um, they call it a breathe up and basically kind of doing that pre-workout breathing. So it expanding the diaphragm, expanding the rib cage, just really, I mean, cause it's a muscle. So you want to warm those up as well. So stretching those out. Um, and then just to really get the blood saturated with oxygen and, and get you ready to, to perform. And then we might go through, um, you know, what they call, I call a cell phone carries just holding a, a dumbbell, light dumbbell, eight or 10 pounds out of the water. And I know cell phones are waterproof nowadays, but back in the day, you know, <laughs> if you're swimming across the pool, you got to hold that, that cell phone and that dumbbell out of the water. And so um, just some nice, and, and that could be where you're going to be taking breaths along the way, or if you are more, a little more advanced, then you would do a breath hold for the entire length of the pool while holding that dumbbell out of, out of the water. Um, you know, and then once you return back to the starting point, again, it's, it's not just, okay, it's the next guy's turn. Like, I'm going to focus on that. No, like you focus on getting your breath rate back down to normal, getting those CO2 levels back to normal. And, and so, yeah, you may be done with the exercise, but you're not done with that actual kind of movement. Right. So, um, and then just getting right back and ready to, to go again. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And then, um, then where would you go from there? Like what other type of drills might you do? Uh, so yeah, so I was, I kind of touched up on some of the explosive exercise. A lot of this depends on um, the, the depth of the pool as well. And mm -hmm. so if you only have a shallow water pool, you are somewhat limited. Mm -hmm. But so we usually start off with some shallow water things, um, that cell phone carry I was mentioning, and then um, you might do some some longer breath hold stuff. One's called a reptile where you're just kind of walking the dumbbells along the bottom, but that can still be done in shallow water where if you need to come up and take a breath, you can just, you know, just stand up. Mm -hmm. um, so these are kind of nice warm-up uh, drills and then once you're, you're feeling good and we'll, we'll go to the deeper water things where we might do some of those heavy, uh, jump squats, jump lunges, um, uh, with, with 40 pound dumbbells or something. So you're, mm -hmm. you really have to use that explosive energy. And so you're breaking the surface, taking a quick gasp of air and then going back down. So these are some that if you can get into a rhythm with your breath, you can do for, a solid minute to two minutes some mm -hmm. some guys are able to so i mean you can really get a good little flow going um and then we'll usually finish off with a max breath hold maybe doing just a walk a mm -hmm. kind of a farmer's walk basically with heavy dumbbells and just nice and slow casual walk underwater and that's awesome and and that's definitely one where you want to make sure you have safety um there there's that risk of shallow water blackout. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if something does happen, someone can get you right away yeah. and, and make sure you're safe. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, well, so I have to ask, what's your what's your longest max hold that you've done? Uh, my longest static apnea uh, is about four and a half minutes. Jeez. Um, so, and that's <laughs> that's where you're just you're not moving at all. Yeah, you're sure. Kind of sitting on the side of a pool, uh, mm-hmm. so it's a little different. But yeah, and then other based on the movement, how how uh, much energy you're expending will kind of vary as far as your your breath hold. But I can usually get quite a few laps in the pool on those farmer mm-hmm. carries. So it's nice. Just, it's nice and calm. So again, it's just learning where that CO two tolerance is. Right, you might get that first urge to breathe at 45 seconds or a minute but mm-hmm. it's learning okay my body's just feeling that and i can still continue to go and staying calm and and you realize you you are capable of a lot more than than you think yeah absolutely because you know yeah. just looking at the the physiology of it when you when you hold your breath you're you're there's still oxygen in your body there's still exactly. blood pumping yeah. and it's but your body knows okay it's our these uh gases are a little out of balance I'm going to start sending a signal to breathe um, as early as I can. So you start breathing because our brain ultimately doesn't want us to kill ourselves. So exactly, it's going to yeah. force you to yeah, try and breathe. But it's it's just like training. Like when you're lifting weights, when you first started, everything hurts, right? Your body's oh, yeah. telling you like, what you, would you just do? But it gets better yeah. and, and you get to tolerate it more. And it's it's kind of the same same idea there. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what when you're when you do those types of workouts, uh, and I, I'm sure this varies on uh, a lot of things, but just in general, is this would that be your training day? Like that's all you would do, or is it like a piece of maybe you do it with like a strength workout or a run, or does it all just kind of depend? No, I would I would usually do that one on more of a recovery day. Okay, one that you know I I still want to get in some training, but I want to also let my body recover a little bit Makes so sense, the pool yeah. sessions yeah or something i would do on a kind of more easy day okay awesome yeah. well cool well i've taken up a lot of your time i appreciate everything that you've you've given us um if any of our listeners have any any questions or want to reach out to what might be the best place to do that yeah and all the social media channels i mean yeah malcolm mckay fitness uh i'm actually gonna be starting up a little breathing um challenge on may 1st so i don't know when this will come out but um yeah so they can just send me a message if they're interested and and yeah i'd love to help out any right. possible awesome this this should get out before may so um people can definitely take advantage and, and join you on that breathing challenge awesome all right. Well, thanks again. And then hopefully it's, it's not a year before we get to chat again. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see you at a, a race venue soon. At some point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 70 of the OCR underground show. I uh, hope this was a little bit of a distraction for you, but give you some good quality insight into your training. I want to give a big thanks to Coach John Oblodgett with Malcolm Mackay Fitness and all of his insights. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode and you can um, check out Jono's contact info. So if you want to join in on his breathing challenge or any of the other cool stuff that he is up to, a uh, big thanks to our sponsors, both Venga CBD, check them out at vengacbd.com slash OCR underground and also to fitbar, fitbarstrong.com. 
Uh, and finally, don't forget to register for our virtual OCR this Saturday, April 11th. I know it's kind of short notice from when this podcast is getting released, but I hope you can join us. Again, it is free. Just visit OCRundergroundcom virtual to learn more and to register. Uh, but that's it. I hope you guys are all staying safe and healthy, and we will see you next time.